0: Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I am your host, Brian Lyons. Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the podcast. Apologies that there hasn't been a podcast over the last few weeks. But like previously mentioned, I've been super busy and I am just trying to keep my head above water at the moment. But I've been really pleased with the consistency of the runners who have been turning up to my sessions. Uh, At the moment, we've got four sessions week and if you would like to be part of the pride group training you can find out more information at www.everydaylions.org and it's such an inclusive environment and the people are just awesome and i think that your running would go ahead in leaps and bounds if you did decide to join our group. And we are less than four weeks away from the great train race. That's right folks, four weeks. You can enter now at www.everydaylines.org. It is just $30 for adults and $10 for kids. We have over 50 random draws available to uh, competitors who do race and don't forget to stay around for the barbecue afterwards and $5 train fares, $5, that's all it's gonna cost you to ride the train if you're a registered runner. And the night before we have the Carbo Load Feast, and this is gonna be an awesome night. For $60, you'll get a chartered train ride. You'll get to listen to Millie Clark, Ben St. Lawrence, Kylie Risk, Tim Blair, and who else have we got? We've got Tim Sloan. Um, For $60, it's just going to be an awesome night. I mean, those guys are Olympians, um, Australian record holders, and uh, all the money raised will go to the Tim Blair Foundation, and it is going to be a ripper night, and we'd love to see you there. If you do want to find out more information about that, you can also head over to the Great Train Race Facebook page or check it out at www.everydaylines.org. Each week, the podcast costs a number of dollars to produce. So, if you are enjoying the podcast, we would love a donation or a contribution. You can do this by going over to www.everydaylines.org and looking up the Everyday Lines Running Podcast tab. We would love your support. Thank you. This week's episode is with Erica Yo, and this was actually recorded live on Facebook Zoom webinar, and will be the first episode of four. Uh, the idea of these episodes is to educate runners. So I'll be talking to professionals who deal with runners on a daily basis. that could be PTs, that could be physiotherapists, it could be dietitians. This week we are talking to Erica Yo who is a dietitian. I really enjoyed this conversation, and I really think that runners will get some, some great takeaways on nutrition and a few other important topics. If you did enjoy this podcast, please reach out to Erica. I've been Brian Lyons, your host. This is the Everyday Lions Running Podcast, and here is Erica. Welcome to the Everyday Lions Podcast Live Zoom Webinar. I am your host, Brian Lyons. Tonight's guest is Erica Yo. Erica works as a dietitian at our public hospitals here in the Northwest coast of Tasmania in uh, pediatrics and various medical centers and sub contracts to the ELPE, I'm glad I got that out, mm-hmm. health disabilities provider. Erica is also a keen runner and is fresh off a personal best at mm-hmm. Devonport Park Run on the weekend, running sub 21 minutes. She has completed in Gone Nuts, Launceston Half, Devonport, 10K, Cadbury Half and Burnie 10. Welcome to the Everyday Lions Running Podcast, Erica, and thanks for coming on board.
1: Good to be here, Brian. Um, yeah, thanks for inviting me.
0: Great. And I'm really looking forward to uh, some some information uh, about what you do for a living and a little bit about your running. And, uh, yeah, I'm just excited to, to hear all about you and your journey. So welcome. And uh, can you tell me how your day's been?
1: Yeah, good. It's, um, it's pretty typical Sunday, um, oh, except I slept for like 12 hours last night. Um, so woke up in a bit of a daze after that. It was great. Um, did some cleaning, went out for a run with Vanessa and Bronte, um tried out some new running shoes which was fun and then um did a bit more cleaning and just had some dinner so
0: yeah get
1: cool. ready for work week as well great and how far did you run today uh just under 16k yeah yeah just Is a-
0: that your usual mileage at the moment
1: um no it's a bit all over the place um just after coming off thorn nuts and um then i'm getting ready for cabri half marathon so just trying to kind of do something a bit in the middle so i don't stress my legs out too much
0: (laughs) great and we'll touch on a little bit about your training and things a little bit down the track yeah what was your introduction into the running how did this all begin for you um, I was trying
1: to remember, and it wasn't like a clear-cut thing. Um, we used to live near the Remain Reserve in Burnie, so um, occasionally me and my friend would go and do what we thought was this massive run, but looking back, it was about two kilometres when we were a teenager, <laughs> um, and just uh, walking and running around that area heaps. Um, then my brother, Matthew Cunningham, got into running pretty heavily when he was in uni um and when i moved to hobart i went on a few runs with him and um just gradually got into it during uni entered a few events um and yeah kind of went from there um yeah here i am now
0: (laughs) right uh it's such a small world i've only just realized that you're matt's sister okay (laughs) i didn't know that so Yeah. yeah fantastic and were you, did you have the bug straight away? Was it like, oh, my God, I love this? Or did you hate it? Or
1: um, No, I think I enjoyed it because I've never been a sporty person. I'm not very coordinated. Um, wasn't very fit when I was little, just kind of shy and preferred to be indoors. So it, it just felt like I could do something. Like I wasn't bad at it, but I wasn't good at it. And you made friends doing it, which was fun. Um, and I think that's probably why I've stuck with it. Like. Um, so uh, the running community in Devonport being a really big motivator.
0: Yeah, no, and, and we're so lucky, aren't we? Uh, mm-hmm. It really is. You know how many places, uh, or how many how many spots every day, or, or somewhere that you can run with a person every day. Like most towns don't have that, which is fantastic.
1: No, I've lived in a lot of different places, and yeah, it's quite a unique. Uh, running community here quite
0: varied and um yeah I think it's really good yeah and that's the thing it's uh I think it's a, the variation of things everyone's got a different story as to why they started to run or what running does for them which is awesome yeah yep yeah and what does your typical training week look like uh you mentioned that you previously went in gone nuts so you got a few long runs in there
1: yeah yep so um leading up to that Uh, long run with my husband on the weekend and we try to do like a hilly course or some trails and pick up the distance a bit um a few recovery runs through the week um at the moment I'm just doing those for about 40 minutes um and a uh a threshold session earlier in the week and maybe a tempo if I'm feeling okay later in the week as well.
0: Great. Yeah. And it uh, it seems to be working pretty well for you. You've, you've taken a fair bit of chunk, chunk off your time lately, yeah. I've noticed on Striver?
1: Yeah, it has um, worked. I think, I think that's the thing. Like if you focus on one goal and work towards it, you can still achieve other things along the way. So I've heard a lot of other people say like during their marathon training block, they've got PBs uh, at their 5K as well. And I think it's just that natural uh, progression uh, during that time. So, yeah, it's a nice, um, it's a nice, nice thing.
0: Yeah, right Yeah, yeah. It's nothing like a pb It's been a while for me, but I, <laughs> I used to know what that. <laughs> what that. Uh, I suppose felt like. <laughs> um,
1: you can have PBs for twenty twenty one, surely. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hopefully, hopefully. Um. Yep. So, like I mentioned in the introduction today, I mm-hmm. mentioned that you are a. Oh, I have. I've totally a dietitian. Um. Yep. Did you want to tell the listeners a little bit of how you got in to doing that field? Yeah. And how important this is with your running personally?
1: Yeah. Um, so I actually had no idea what I wanted to do as a teenager. Um, I graduated grade 12 with reasonably good marks but not good enough to get into medicine Um And me and mum were literally looking at the course list for UTAS going, what should I do? And narrowed it down to three. And mum was like, oh, pick medical research just because it sounds smart. So I did that for three years and graduated. um, And that's just a really, I guess, uh, it's a broad science degree with a focus on biochemistry and research. So you do, we covered a fair bit of nutrition and um, applied. Uh, physiology and things that relate to sport um which was interesting and one of the guys I did my course with said he was going to do dietetics so I'm like I'd never considered that or thought of it um so I looked into it and applied um and it wasn't for the healthiest reasons at the time I went through a stage where I had quite disordered eating and was um yeah i I was kind of obsessed with food for the wrong reason and that's why I applied to do it. And then, um, yeah, was successful in getting into nutrition and dietetics on the Gold Coast and studied that for two years as a master's and, um, yeah, what was the question again? What, how did I get um, into it?
0: Yeah, yeah. so yeah. How, how important has doing this course and and Mm -hmm. working this profession being for your running i guess
1: yeah well i think uh just learning more about the biochemistry of food why people eat um has taught me a lot and in that allowed me to overcome my disordered eating um particularly because we had to work in a hospital for placement so we were working with quite sick managed people trying to get weight on them so it really allowed me to see a whole new perspective on food and nutrition you know like social media and the internet is so thick with messages around restricting food and dieting and things so it was like a kind of eye-opening experience um and then I had the opportunity to do the sports dietitian course a couple of years ago um, through a scholarship and I was quite interested and that really helped me personally because, um, yeah, just the concepts I can apply to my running now.
0: Great. Great. Yeah. Yeah, Knowledge is power, isn't it? And
1: Yeah, that's it.
0: And so I'm going to ask a few questions for the listeners and hopefully you can answer a few of these. I'm I'm really looking forward to some of these answers. So my first question is what should runners be eating before a race?
1: Uh, it depends on the runner and it depends on the race but usually there would be a focus on um, carbohydrates especially if it's a race because um, we would consider that you would be working a lot harder than you would in your training sessions so the body has a storage of carbohydrates called glycogen in the muscles that the body access when we work at quite a high intensity so at rest, the body will burn through fat and carbohydrate and a varied source of um, nutrients for energy. But when we are exercising at quite a high intensity, when we're struggling to, you know, when you're exercising and um, breathing quite heavily, at that point, we would expect the primary nutrient the body would be using is the stored carbohydrate within our body. And we really want to top up those stores depending on the length of the event. So, um a day before or a couple of days before not just the meal before we want to be looking at having um quite a heavy amount of carbohydrates in that meal being things like potatoes rice um pasta couscous quinoa um for a lot of people it means the light, low fiber version of those sources so not trying to um you know, be super healthy about it because um, you, it's more about the volume and preventing gut upset during that period. Um, with a little bit of meat and vegetables as well. So things like um, a stir fry with a lot of rice, or um, I've done things like um, a potato salad that's not too creamy or um, pasta with a bit of um, sauce and meat.
0: Okay, yeah. and this is mainly the night the night before.
1: Um, You want to be looking at it in the days before. So, like, um, because it's a process of building up those stores over a couple of days. I think if you do it just in the one meal the night before, you're just going to be stuck with a big meal that the body has to process. Um, And it's not going to feel too good as trying to spread out those carbs through, you know, three to six meals over a day or two. Um, Yeah. So, if you have, cereal in the morning Try to eat a little bit more and if you have lunch try to add more more bread or more rice than you usually do and a little bit less vegetable or salad yeah um, and we really
0: yeah, yeah and we do talk about carbo loading and hopefully there's a few listeners who are tuning in um right mm-hmm. now and uh a few of them might have Cadbury marrow coming up yeah um so are, are we talking would you carbo load like a week out are we talking that long
1: Uh, Probably not like you'd probably depending on the event for a marathon you'd be looking at two three days depending on the runner Um, or some people feel better if they do longer but usually you can achieve it in two to three days and maybe for the half marathon be looking at at least one to two days. Um, I guess you want to feel good when you get on the starting line maybe for the marathon you want to feel a bit heavy at the start um
0: but your body will thank you probably at the 20 kilometer mark <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and, and what uh i mean this is probably very individual as well but the morning the morning of a race i mean are we talking you mm-hmm. don't want to eat too much do you? you don't want to eat not enough um would you recommend gels even in the morning before a race i
1: think that uh kind of depends on the person and how far they intend how hard they intend on going um some people just cannot stomach food the day before and that's on the day of the race and that's fine like if you've got a a 6am event and you have to travel and you're getting up before five like um you, you you kind of want to prioritize sleep and yeah maybe having a gel that morning would be fine but it's probably good to try and have something and we um something that's primarily carbohydrate and not a lot of fiber or fat so things like rice bubbles or flakes, um, with a bit of um, things like oat milk or rice milk work really well because um, they pass through the gut really quickly so looking at things that pass through the um, stomach to the intestines um, things like fiber and fat slow down that process and might even give you stomach Upset during a race if you're working really hard, but you know, I know some people who can easily smash a bowl of porridge an hour before they do a hard run and they're completely fine, like, um,
0: yeah,
1: it's just they're probably the exception,
0: yeah, yeah. Um, so everyone's very individual by the sound of it, yeah. yeah,
1: absolutely. Like, um, some people will feel worse if they don't have anything, and then some people will, um be the other way around. Um, I've heard of um if you've heard Millie, um, the dietitian who um I'm not sure where she's living now, launceston Um she her specialty is rice and salt. <laughs> yep. Before I race, um
0: yeah. I don't
1: think I could stomach. That. <laughs> <laughs> yeah wow wow I was with my rice bubbles.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I did um I did watch a video, I think, uh, with the Tasmanian runners that they put together. And I think she may even have potato as well, mashed potato in little packets or something as well. Yeah. Of, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a good idea because um, mashing the potato makes it really quick to digest, so that could be another option. Um, and if you're a heavy, heavy sweater trying to add salt to the meals leading up as well, like um, whether that's just plain salt, soya sauce, soy sauce. Um, a source that has a lot of salt in it generally will do the trick just to um, help you retain the water in your body.
0: Great, great tips. And this next one I think is really, really important. Everyone Mm. talks about training hard and, you know, building their body, but not a lot of people talk about the recovery after and what the foods to eat are and and how quickly you need to be eating after a session. Did you want to um, adapt on that for me?
1: Yeah, I guess... um, The goal of recovery is to, um, you know, repair some of that damaged tissue, um, allow the body to adapt to that um, increased um, training load or racing load that you've just put on it. Um, Get back to training as soon as possible. So from a nutrition, nutrition perspective, but things that you would be aiming to achieve is restoring those glycogen um, stores. So they would be quite depleted after a hard session or a race, um, providing some protein to allow the muscles to recover adequately, rehydrating um, and providing nutrients to help the immune system because we know that... um, I guess if nutrition is not optimal after you've done a hard session or a um, race, then runners can be more susceptible to things like upper respiratory tract infections. So um, the issue with that is often purely that after a race or a hard session, you're not going to feel like eating very much for a while. And then um logistics so often if you have to travel for a race you're going to have to plan to have the food there or go searching for it as well which is just um a bit tricky if you're trying to stick around and watch your mates and um yeah, kind of depends if there's food beans there if you've packed a bag full of snacks. Um, so, yeah, so you'd be looking at if you've done a race and you're somewhere like let's use Cadbury or the Easter Marathon, I've heard it's called now as an example.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry about that, Richard.
1: I'm <laughs> from Devonport, so we'll be travelling up. So packing a few things in your bag to have immediately afterwards, whether that be like bananas, muesli bars, um, sachets of yogurt, um, good old Vegemite sangers, um, yeah. some crackers, just <laughs> really kind of convenient carbohydrate just to give your body that immediately immediate boost and um, and then trying to have a meal soon afterwards just to get that real mix of nutrients in. Yeah. And, again, you'd probably be prioritising your carbohydrates and protein, and I think a good concept for um recovery is to aim for a third of the meal to be carbohydrates so your bread pasta rice um, quarter of it to be protein so legumes chicken fish meat eggs and then um sorry a third and then a third to be your vegetables um, or salad so the different colors gives us antioxidants that help with the recovery process as well so yeah, and lots of fluid, um, trying to get that urine a semi-clear, cloud color again in a few hours.
0: Yeah, yeah. Right, and um, a shake's a good option as well if you do struggle to stomach.
1: Yeah, I think like um, like a protein shake you're referring to.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, so you still want to have your carbs along with that shake, and I think. The sh- Shakes are good if you know you're not going to get a meal for a while to give you some protein to aid that recovery. Um, but in isolation, um, protein is probably a protein shake, probably is only it's just protein, like it's not giving you the other tools to do the job it needs to recover. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, it's and a option, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and yeah. you touched on um, hydrating the body throughout or post-race, yep. um, what about hydrating during a race? I mean, this is a tough one. There's so many factors that can come into this.
1: Yeah, and the research um, is yeah. quite varied in the area. Um, first of all, I'd be aiming to start the race really well hydrated. So of the morning of the race, you want your urine to be running quite clear, um, unless you're on any medication that makes it quite yellow, Um that would be the aim. Um, and then I always like to look up a race and see what they've got in terms of the hydration stops and plan around that. Um, and I think um, like it's easy enough to say drink to thirst, which is our main um which is the main recommendation we'd be making, but you kind of have to plan that first around the drink stops available at the race um, yep. unless you plan on taking, like if it was a marathon, some people are happy to take their own um, water and electrolytes. So, yeah, mm-hmm. I think for longer events and especially if you're sweating, you'd be looking at electrolytes to prevent things like cramping and um,
0: salt tablets ate- or something like that.
1: Yeah, salt tablets if you're only going to take water during the event just to kind of, when we sweat, I guess we don't sweat out just water. It's it a lot of sodium and other minerals, but sodium is the main thing that we sweat out. So if you know that you are a heavy sweater or it's going to be a hot day or, you know, if you're doing, say, like a Gold Coast marathon where the climate's going to be a little bit different to Tasmania, yeah, planning to have some kind of... um something with sodium can be really beneficial. And how much to have is not really well defined in research. So it's more about having a plan and practising and training and figuring out what works for you. But I think the biggest thing to consider on the day is that if you are racing and your heart rate's higher than in training, um, don't leave it too late because you might get to the point where you cannot stomach your hydration.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's the beauty of if you do prepare for an endurance event that yep. you do get a pretty good awareness in your long runs of what works and what doesn't work for you and yep. what you need hydration-wise. So I guess yep. if you're listening, that's the best way to work that out.
1: Yeah, yep. Um, yeah, practice with nutrition is um, half, half the work, I think, because it can be quite different for any athlete. Yep yeah
0: great and i want you to explain a little bit about the terminology reds for me did you want to expand on that for me in case any listeners aren't aware
1: so um and there's a new concept emerging in um not only sports nutrition but sports medicine about red s and it's called stands for Relative Energy Deficiency in Sport. Um, I think the, uh, what is it, the IOS, uh, um, International Olympic, is that um, International Olympic Society or something, accepted the terminology about five years ago. Um, and it's kind of replacing the athlete, female athlete triad syndrome, sorry. That's what we learned about in uni um, and it refers to females who are perhaps over exercising, um, have disordered eating and body image issues, have lost their period or have what we call oligomenorrhea where the period is becoming very spaced out and have osteopenia or osteoporosis, and perhaps some stress factor issues but we know this um, condition also happens in men and it's not just related to um disordered eating so relative energy deficiency in sport um i'm trying to think of how to word this (laughs) it's it's the it's the situation where an athlete doesn't have enough energy to carry out their basic um biological functions um so with a normal person at rest even if we slept all day would burn a certain amount of calories just sleeping like
0: homeostasis that type of thing where your body yeah yeah
1: yeah so um yeah just say you had a severe medical condition and you're vegetative, we'd still have to feed you. That's that's how it is. So an athlete will obviously have very high energy needs. And um, if we don't meet those energy or those calorie needs over a period of time, um, what can happen is a little, almost like a switch happens in the brain that tells our physiological functions to kind of dim. So things like the endocrine system or the whole hormone system will be affected. So the most obvious one for females is um, the loss of their period because of the hormones estrogen and progesterone are uh, decreased. So a female will start not getting period. Those hormones are also very important for bone density so um, it can lead to stress fractures so if an athlete is getting a lot of stress fractures that doesn't seem to be related to their training load or their um other things it it could be related to they're just not eating enough Um, and then for men um it's harder to detect because they obviously don't have a monthly period so i think things like loss of libido um or um, loss of the morning erection, everyone loves talking about it. (laughs) Yeah, it's a great topic, Um, (laughs) are things that we'd be looking out for, um, as well as stress fractures. And there are a lot of other changes that happen, like um, a decrease in mental health, so moodiness, um, inability to sleep, lots of respiratory tract infections and it's something you can measure really well if you're like a part of the AIS and you have all the fancy equipment but for the average athlete and it's relatively common um situation um it's harder to me- measure and we just look at kind of the symptoms
0: yep. yeah and if you do find out you've got this yep. what what's your first protocol who do we what do you implement to, to try and help yourself?
1: Yeah, so I've seen it in a lot of athletes, um, like either teenagers with gut issues and they feel like they can't eat enough to support their high level of training. And they're also going through a period of growth that has a lot of demand, um, or even just like busy mums who um, just don't have time to prioritize the nutrition around their training um looking at why um that has occurred for some somebody it might be disordered eating for some body they might have just been um, trying to eat really clean um so like some people will eat you know really high fiber foods a lot of vegetables a lot of whole grains but if you have a really high training load, that isn't going to meet your energy demands as an athlete, unfortunately. Um, and addressing the why it's occurred. So if it's a, if it's a disordered eating and somebody's concerned about their body image, yeah, it's going to be a long mental health recovery. But if it's just simply Um, they were trying to eat really clean or healthy, incorporating some of those really easy to eat low fiber foods and coming up with a bit, uh, of a more solid, um, nutrition plan, just like their training plan can be helpful. Like, um, yeah.
0: Right. So going to someone like you. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And definitely talking, um, well, uh, yeah, it can be hard to get a GP and, um, But talking to, like, a medical professional like your GP who hopefully knows about the condition as well because, um, yeah, you might need to get, like, bone density scans or, you know, if you've lost your period, you might need to check with your medical professional um, and make sure it isn't PCOS or um, some kind of other infertility issue. But, Yeah. yeah, yeah, if it rings a bell with you or you've seen it in someone else, like, it's definitely worth looking into And as I said, there's so many messages on social media about um, dieting and weight loss that can kind of cloud the goals of an athlete to eat a lot of calories.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm guessing the more detail and more information that you can, the big picture that, yep. you, can, that you can give your GP or your, or your medical profession, the better off you'll be with getting an answer.
1: Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, like it's going to, it's going to help you run better or perform better because you'll have more energy there to burn.
0: Yeah. And that's what we want, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we talk about breakfast being the most important meal of the day. Yeah. So what we should be, we touched on a little bit, but what should we be looking at? What sort of food? Oh,
1: controversial. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, like you can look at it both ways. I think like, um, most people will just eat toast or cereal for breakfast. I think if you're just not, if you're just running occasionally and, um, you're not, um, doing a really high training load and you don't normally eat breakfast and you don't think it helps to eat breakfast. I don't think you have to, but if you're an athlete and you do have a high training load, like I don't think, um, you know, just say you go for a running in the morning and then your next meal is going to be lunch. That might be a six-hour gap um, and it's almost like fasting. Like you're going to just end up eating the bulk of your calories later in the day, but you've done your run at this part of the day. Like I would be prioritising a meal closer to your run because, um, you know, your body's going to be in that stage where it wants those nutrients to prepare for the next run. Um so you're going to recover a lot quicker if you push back that meal closer to your run. But if you're a nighttime runner, maybe not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, another thing to say is like a lot of people have coffee in the morning um, and not eat breakfast, but coffee in a lot of people is an appetite suppressant. So that's something to consider as well.
0: Okay. That's interesting. I yeah. love my coffee and sometimes yeah, I don't feel like eating. So that's probably answer that question.
1: Yeah, yeah, try and eat before you have coffee. Um, it might help.
0: Yeah, great, great. And water consumption. I think this is a really important one. And once again, there's going to be a lot of factors that do affect this. But mm-hmm. what should we be looking at drinking per day with, let's just say, a runner that runs 30 to 50k a week?
1: Oh, water consumption
0: yeah
1: yeah yeah oh well that's going to vary day to day depending on what you've run um i guess i'd be having a look at your urine first of all seeing if it's like if it's a real really like you get to the middle of the day and it's still quite a dark yellow um that would say to me that you're not drinking enough and i would look at how much you drink um And if it's under that kind of average eight cups recommendation, start there at the kind of eight cups a day or um, two litres and, you know, put a jug in the fridge if you're at home, get one of those really big drink bottles, fill it up um, and go from there. Like drinking water is a habit um, and if you don't drink enough, your body won't necessarily tell you you're thirsty. Um, You'll just get used to it. So... Yeah,
0: yeah. I think that's really important that you touch on that. I think it is a is a habit. Like me, for example, I've just got a drink bottle in front of me, and I've been drinking it just because it's there. So, yep. I yeah. think it's a good way of doing it too.
1: And I did um, a bit of research when I was u- at uni in uh, hydration, and you know, you yeah. only have to be about two percent under your normal hydration. So, two percent body weight loss is two two litres of fluid so if you weighed yourself before you ran and then after you ran you would get in a bit of idea about how much fluid you lost um unless you stopped for a wee or a poo during that run (laughs)
0: yeah (laughs) Yeah. which (laughs) Um, happens we're runners
1: (laughs) and then um you know if it was a 500 uh, gram change you'd probably lost around the 500 grams of fluid so you'd be looking to have that and more immediately after the run and then a normal amount through the day
0: yeah yeah beautiful and do you follow your own advice
1: uh sometimes (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think it's sometimes i do and i know when i do i um my running improves but it's not just about my running like it's you know, if you're a runner and you don't eat enough, like there's all the health problems that go along with that. But you just can't work and do do you know your basic life things. You're too tired. So, um, yeah, if I'm like really on top of my nutrition and eating plenty throughout the day and really organised, and you know, go to work with my massive lunchbox and
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: um, I feel I feel great, like I have enough energy and. Um, can you know hit my hard sessions really well um, but occasionally I'll do really stupid things like um, oh I think I had like scrambled eggs for breakfast one morning before a run and I was like oh. <laughs> so nauseous before during this long run and I think I got home and I had a you, you know those Chabani like yogurts I love yeah. them yeah so good um, not before a run I can tell you they <laughs> for so long, like at least two hours, I felt like. I was like, two hours, it'll be out of my stomach. No, no, nearly nearly puked it up on the bluff. Um,
0: and yeah. I think even if it is something that is really good for you, I think trial and error is something that you soon find out. Yeah, well, that's We're, we're running, don't you?
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah. And, um, yeah, often um, when I'm... Thinking about it, I'll use my long runs to try little bits and pieces of, you know, different gels and things so I'm not just um, just leaving it to the race to try.
0: Great. Yeah. Great. And superfoods. So there's been this, uh, I don't know, I suppose it's been highlighted that, that concentrated beetroot juice can help your endurance. What yep. are your thoughts on superfoods and kale and all those other beauties that we have and blueberries and
1: yeah yeah um interesting topic um so when i was at uni i remember somebody somebody was actually doing research on the beetroot juice so um so first of all superfoods is a bit of a marketing term um there aren't really any superfoods. There are functional foods. So functional foods are- It's broken my heart. Yeah, I know, functional foods are foods that have a health benefit above and beyond normal healthy eating. So an example is um, the red pigment, uh, I think, and lycoprenes in uh, tomatoes have, uh, they might prevent prostate cancer in men. Um, dairy is associated with improved bone density and fish in preventing heart disease a really good example of those but um, i think in australia we're lucky but a lot of that comes from america and in america they don't have a very well regulated food system people say people put blatant health claims on front of food um, that we're not allowed to do in australia thankfully that are not necessarily backed up by science so you could go i don't know i've been told in america you could go to a supplement store and everywhere you look there will be just outrageous health claims and people do um, fall for that and the money lands in the pockets of the people selling those yeah but beetroot juice um so antioxidants are a real thing so antioxidants I guess are like a like components of food um, that have been shown to help kind of sweep up the normal damage formed in our body so I think this is marketed a lot at runners because running and exercise produces inflammation and damage um, and that's normal and healthy because we want that damage to produce an adaption so we get stronger and fitter um, and some antioxidants in our diet, so from like a, the colours in the fruit and vegetables, you know, the red pigment in cherries, the um, etc. Like, um, and even like our healthy fats to some extent, vitamin E that's in a lot of our fatty foods um, will sweep up some of that damage, but um, they're also in supplements as well. So, you see, vitamin E and turmeric and coenzyme q and all these things marketed with antioxidants but there is some research saying that if you take these um unnatural forms long term you might actually um get rid of some of those gains because you're decreasing the inflammation um and then beat tri- but they might prevent recovery uh, injury or help with injury so it depends what your goal is really um with taking that supplement but beetroot juice um is a sort of different altogether like it's high in antioxidants have you ever tasted it brian
0: yeah i uh i experimented with beetroot juice uh one marrow the post marrow wasn't pretty i could tell you
1: yeah um it's kind of a timely uh question because um yeah it would be so, um, we actually bought um, gels for gone nuts off online, and these nitrate gels, like science in Sport brand, were yeah. My yeah right. So we um bought them, and I forgot to use them. But my husband happened to use one at the start of his race, and he said never again, like it was so gross, and he felt nauseous, but that was yeah, yeah, so beetroot. Um, concentrated beetroot juice usually sold in a small shot is a um, natural source of nitrates so nitrates are a vasodilator and when you're exercising that is um, beneficial I guess because you want your blood to flow to your muscles as efficiently as possible so it's thought that perhaps that nitrates um, help with that process so you have a performance gain. Um, they've done a lot of research on it, and it is so varied. So, okay, I think it's like some people, and it like and there's all these protocols for using it. Some people like load with beetroot juice, which would be incredibly expensive over a six day, three to six day period, um, and then some people have these beetroot shots, two of them two to three hours before a race because the nitrates peak about two, two or three hours before after you ingest them. Um, and, yeah, there's been a reported like 1% to 3% benefit in the studies that it worked, which is only a small, like, gain, but for some people if it was the 3%, that could be quite good. Um, yeah. I don't know. It'd be something you'd have to try. And see if it works for you. Um
0: Yeah. Oh well I personally I personally yeah. gave it a go and uh what I experienced post event that that put me in off not to try it again Eva. I was I was a pretty sick boy. <laughs> yeah. Was it the
1: stomach sick or Yeah,
0: just the stomach and um yeah. diarrhea and all sorts and then it was all purple, but I'm sure those don't want to hear all yeah, that. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say <laughs> it would give you a very impressive um, poo colour and yeah. very <laughs> colour but- um, I was actually reading the studies wondering if um because if you were concentrating beetroot, you'd also be concentrating the um what we call FODMAPs in them, which draw water through the bow. Um,
0: okay, wow. Well.
1: And even just the thought that you'd have to have it three hours before an event. If your event is at six AM, I yeah, am Yeah, I, think I mean, up at got three up quite
0: early to to um yeah. To, yeah. to actually digest it and, and have it and then I went back to sleep. Um, yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So probably not practical for most people, unfortunately. Like, yeah, you yeah. can get plenty of nitrates through your diet. Just have yeah. some beetroot.
0: <laughs> cool. That was a really, really interesting and a really, really good answer. So thank you for that. Um, We'll go back uh, a little bit to your running and, and some of the stuff. So, What's one piece of advice you'd give a newbie runner or even someone who's been doing it for quite a while?
1: Um, So I think um, a lot of us plan our uh, training schedule, whether that's with a coach or by ourselves, we plan the runs we're doing for the week. I think Planning your nutrition somewhat around those runs is really beneficial and will help you get the most out of those runs. Um, Even if you have an idea of what um, you need to eat before your hard sessions and what to eat on your recovery days and having foods in the house that um, support those days is going to be really beneficial for you. Um, and just coming up with some staple meals that you can cook and freeze and have have ready, because um, as soon as you run, I feel like there's no other time to be cooking or anything. <laughs> yeah, um,
0: that's a really good point. I yeah. think uh, you know there'd be a lot of busy mums and dads watching this video, and I think if you can be as organised as possible and have something ready in the fridge as soon as you come home, I think that goes a long way. I mean, sometimes not possible, but if you can, plan that.
1: Yeah, and I think if if you're um, really confused and going, oh, God, what do I eat and um, what's the best for me, I think a good place to start is, you know, looking at your meals um, and this is probably not, not as much for your um, really high low days or your long run days or your hard sessions but just for most days like looking at the food you cook and go all right well let's aim for a third of the meal to be carbs a third to be vegetables and a third to be your protein foods so yeah um whatever that looks like if you're in a hurry and you haven't got much you know you can whip up a normal throw some veggies in and have some sourdough bread in the freezer that you whip out and have with that Um, or um, you know, you can do, you can have a lasagna and just throw a steamed broccoli on the side or something like that. You know, um, it doesn't have to be like super complicated. Um, yeah,
0: right. And do low carb diets work for runners? Mm,
1: they can, um, yeah. and I think it's the exception. So, some some science, very minor science, supports it, and I think the message from the scientific research is that yes, runners can do a low carb diet, but it's not, a high carb diet is superior to a low carb diet when it comes to running, just because of the high um, carbohydrate demand that you put on your muscles um, during the hard sessions. If you follow a low carb diet, You'll get through your long runs and your recovery runs, but you won't be able to push 100% during a hard run or race. Um, and if you follow a low-carb diet and you go high-carb just for races, your body won't be able to metabolize those carbohydrates as efficiently as you could if you had just followed a normal, normal but higher-carb diet through your training as well. So that's something else to consider. The other thing we hear a lot in um, athletes and the research is um, a concept called carbohydrate periodization. Um, and that's a whole other topic in itself where people uh, intentionally plan to train um, in what we call a low carbohydrate state. So perhaps they have a low carb meal the night before and then they go for a long one in the morning or do two runs during the day where they don't have carbs after their first run and then they run later in the day. And there is a theory that perhaps that does teach our bodies to use fat because in the long run, your body is going to use a lot more fats and preserve those carbohydrate stores because as soon as you go low in that, you'll probably hit the wall. Um, So, yeah, that's another concept that has emerged. It works really well for some people, but it's not always Practical and enjoyable, and um, yeah.
0: yeah, I don't
1: know. It's a whole and that's
0: way. um, that's not something that you do every week, is it? That's something you'd probably do once or twice in a in a twelve week span or something.
1: Uh, yeah, it depends on the person. I probably i I don't intentionally do it because I don't function well without my carbs. Um, I don't know if I just have a really pathetic glycogen store or something. Um, <laughs> or, but some people. Um, i've I've seen some dietitians use it even weekly for their long training runs um you'd have to be really on top of your nutrition and training to do that so very occasionally it might give you some kind of adaption to burning fat during um that you can use for, for your longer runs um yeah but you have to be quite careful doing it because you don't want to be low in calories you just want to be low in carbs so you'd be looking at adding lots of healthy fat to those meals.
0: Great yeah and I'll go back to you again I'm uh-huh. uh, getting close to the end here but yep. who are some of your role models that you look up to?
1: Oh like everyone I don't know <laughs> I've really I think when I started running in Devonport like having you know, they there leading the Run For You group, um, she's great. Um, I just remember looking at her and going, like, wow, what like, an organised fit woman she is <laughs> because I'm so disorganised. Like, I wouldn't be able to run a group thing and turn up on time. Um,
0: she does an amazing job, doesn't she?
1: Yeah, I'm glad she won that award. Um, you know, there's a lot of women in our running community, like, um, Darlene even um and a lot of people I just kind of randomly follow on Instagram um a girl called Lauren Parker it's really random but she actually competed in Devonport recently who used to be a triathlete and um I I just remember listening to a podcast where she was training and unfortunately was in a bike accident but has become like a really um renowned para triathlete after that experience and i think people who can push through the adversity to do that kind of thing is really inspirational um and i like listening to their kind of podcast when i'm having like a really unmotivated week for whatever reason i'm like well if they can do it um i can just go for an eight k run like yeah yeah
0: yeah, it sort of It puts things back down to ground level sometimes, even when you are having the worst day of your life, there's someone who's yeah. know, going or doing it tougher or
1: Yeah, that's it. So um yeah, I find that really motivating.
0: Great. And we've got a I've got the phone in front of me here and we've mm-hmm. got a few questions from <laughs> the listeners who have been tuning in. Do you mind answering a few questions for these? Yeah, uh Okay, so what have we got here? Um, we've got Narelle. She's asking about um, afternoon fatigue every day. What can um, she do to,
1: to help that? So if you don't think it's related to your sleep or um, just the fact that your work is really stressful, um, you know, look at your food and look at when you're training and make sure you're eating enough, like... Um, around that period um you could be slumping because you just honestly didn't eat enough for lunch maybe you just need a bit of a snack with a bit of carbs and protein to pick yourself back up maybe um your caffeine has worn off and you don't can't necessarily have another one because it's going to affect your sleep later in the day i don't know it it can be anything but it's definitely worth looking at your food and going well actually am i do I eat enough for lunch? Um, because sometimes you don't get hungry when you're hungry, you get tired or moody or fatigued first.
0: Great, great answer. Mm. What else have we got here? Um, does carbs equal energy loads?
1: Does carbs equal energy load?
0: Yeah, I'm not I think I think what they mean by that um, if you eat plenty of carbs, actually I'm not sure on that question. Might, might go to another one. I don't think we've got any more, so that's about it. I probably should have asked before we started this podcast. To ask questions.
1: <laughs> carbs equal. Well, I don't know if they mean just carbs equal energy, like, um, like because sometimes when we say energy, we mean calories or kilojoules because that's a, a that's like a unit of measurement. So. The foods that give us calories are, or energy are carbs, fat and protein and also alcohol. So they're our macronutrients. Um, so carbs has 16, 16 kilojoules per gram. Protein has 17 kilojoules per gram and fat has 37 kilojoules per gram. And alcohol has 27, I think, kilojoules per gram. So... All of them give us energy in roundabout ways. Like you probably wouldn't eat protein for the energy. It's more of a building block food. But if you eat it in excess and you don't need, like you don't build 200 grams of muscle a day or skin or whatever. Like you, if you eat excess, your body will just use it for energy or store it. Like, um, Great. Yeah. yeah. Great answer. If you eat carbs, yeah, it will give you energy. But probably when some people think energy they think how they feel but in a scientific term energy just means like the fuel or the calorie source um kind of like you know fueling your car yeah
0: yeah yeah you wouldn't put dirty fuel in a car would you so food's exactly the same yeah exactly right and closing out today is there any mantras you live by in your life is there anything that you yeah if it is to be it's up to me something like that
1: Oh, I don't know. Actually, I always uh, listen to this bit at the end of the podcast and go. Do I have any mentors? Um, I just like to have a lot of positive people in my life, like my husband and my friends. Um, I have my faith, which keeps me, um, gives me a bit of hope every day, and um, you know, going to like. Um, uh, Sunday school when I was little, um, you learn a lot of little Bible verses that kind of stick, get into your head every now and again um, just to keep you positive and, yeah, keep you going. Um, Great. But when I'm running, I do this funny thing where I, um, if I'm by myself, uh, I talk to myself.
0: <laughs> okay. <laughs>
1: and, I ask, and sometimes I say out loud, I go, Before I even realize i I'm like, you've got this, keep going. And then I'm like, oh, I said that to myself.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard, isn't it, sometimes? And I think that, you you know, you you find out what works for you and if that works, that's awesome.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think um, just making sure, you know, the thoughts going through your head are ones that build you up and not tear you down is a good place to start.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listeners. This has been Erica Yo. Thank you so much for coming on the Everyday Lions Running Podcast.
1: Yeah, it's been um, it's been a really great experience. I've never done a podcast before, so um, thanks for listening and, um, yeah,
0: thanks great. for inviting me. And if you are listening now and you've got some questions, um, put them below and I'm sure Erica wouldn't mind answering them again, maybe another episode down the track as well.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah, um, Feel free to, yeah, put some questions down. I'm sure everyone else is thinking the same. Um, and you guys are welcome to come and see me if you do need some more personalised nutrition advice too.
0: And where where can they see you, Erica? Where's the best place for that?
1: Um, I work out of Don Medical Centre. Um, it's probably the closest in. Um, and also penguin general practice if you travel that way for work or from that down the Bernie area um, yeah but you can just message me on facebook and i can tell you how to arrange an appointment
0: great you've heard it so thank you erica and everyone have a lovely sunday night and thanks for tuning in i'll catch you later
1: thanks see ya
0: Listeners, that was Erica Yo, and I think you'd agree that that was uh, a really good conversation and she had some great tips and I just hope as runners that you took something out of that podcast today. I certainly did and if you would like to find out more information, um, just follow what she said, send her a message, I don't think you regret it, Um, she was really fantastic and uh, I just hope that Erica gets some business out of this. Uh, Until next time, this has been the Everyday Lions Running Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Lyons, and thanks for tuning in and happy running.